Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the King Yah Podcast. As you may have guessed, I am your host, King Yah, a father, activist, and professional speaker. On this podcast, we discuss relationships, criminal justice, news and politics, black history, culture, and domestic violence awareness. If this is your first time being here, I want to say thank you and encourage you to keep listening. Each week you can expect to hear thought-provoking interviews, as well as personal and relationship tips that will help enhance your life. You will have access to resourceful downloads that you can implement daily to become more productive. Thank you for spending some time with me today. The purpose of this podcast is because everyday people inspire me through their stories of trial and error in life. Now let's jump into your favorite podcast. What better way to share our stories? Right, family, peace, love, eternal happiness. How's everybody doing tonight? I want to say I am certainly pleased to have this wonderful opportunity of interviewing our beloved sister, Tawanda Jones. For those of you that don't know who she is, she's a phenomenal woman, a powerful sister in the struggle, an activist a mother, and so much more than that. She's a sister, an auntie, a niece, a cousin, a black woman. Sister Tawanda Jones lost her brother to the brutal, heinous crime of a police officer. She lost her own rest. She lost her brother, Tyrone West, to police brutality. She has been fighting injustice all of her life, been a strong, powerful tool in implementing laws going into effect to be changed for the greater good of our people. She's in Baltimore. There's a lot going on in Baltimore right now. I'll introduce her in just a few moments to you guys. Some of you already know who she is. If some of you, uh, some of you know that I interviewed her five years ago on our Human Rights Radio show. I had an opportunity of meeting Sister Tawanda Jones when she came down to Ferguson, Missouri, doing a Michael Brown um, murder or the assassination of Michael Brown when we were. Um, and uh, seeking justice for Michael Brown Jr. Beautiful sister. Wonderful personality. Activist Tawanda Jones, Our Lives Matter. That's the name of our show. If I can reach one person through an inspiring message, I'll say if you want success, pursue your dreams without permission. Now, let's jump into your favorite podcast. Activist Tawanda Jones, Our Lives Matter. Tawanda Jones, just a little background on her. She is, people may call, someone who has been forced to become an activist or a freedom fighter. Since the untimely death of her brother, who was brutally murdered, 
Tyrone West, as I explained to you guys earlier. She has traveled across the world, freedom fighting, fighting for justice. This sister sister has been on to go 365, fighting for not just justice for her brother, but all victims of police brutality. She is a Christian woman. Uh, As I stated, she's a mother. She's a mother of four. She's a teacher, so she's definitely an educator. She's always been an educator, number one, because she's got four children. That makes her an educator off top. And, again, she's a full-time activist. Um, She has a slogan, and I don't want to get her slogan wrong, so when I introduce her to you guys, she'll tell you what her slogan is and how it's supposed to be said and all that. I just love it when I hear, you know, she brings a certain type of element to the table. We are more than hashtags and body bags more than six feet in the dirt and pictures on a t-shirt our lives matter so if any of you have been in sister tawanda jones's presence she exudes and demands the respect powerful sister with no further ado i'm going to bring on sister tawanda jones and she's going to tell you her life story from beginning to end including what we got going on today All across the world, people are panicking. They're in a state of hysteria about this coronavirus. Just want to update you guys on that really quick before she comes on the line, and then she'll tell you also what's going on in her state because every state is different. If you guys are aware, I've already done two shows dealing with the coronavirus. Initially, of course, I and my stance is still the same, that the coronavirus is a flu symptom. What do you do when you have the flu symptom? You isolate yourself, you hydrate yourself, you build your immune system, you eat healthier, you drink fluids, you fast, you pray, you meditate. You get your mental state of being up, so you raise your vibrations. That's what you do to fight off this coronavirus. I don't know where it came from, where it originated from. I know that it was created, definitely man-made. Another story, we'll get off into that a little bit later. However, For the sake of this show, again, I am encouraging every listener on the line to please get out and grab waters, beverages, dry foods, because you're going to need them. They are shutting states down one by one. When I say shutting states down one by one, they are quarantining every state. They will be quarantining every single state, and they are utilizing the coronavirus as as an excuse to come in and shut down every single state. They're going to hit New York. They've already started in California. California was a testing ground. They, they're going to hit New York. They're starting with some other cities, Baltimore, um, St. Louis, Illinois. I mean, they are, they are systematically going through this process of shutting and quarantining and everything. The stores, if you are not aware, they're running out of water. They're running out of toilet paper. If you don't have a filter at home, get a filter so you can filter out your water. You're going to need that, right? Um, Toilet paper, basic necessities. Tune in, see what's going on in your neighborhood. You know, it's important that you guys stay focused and alert because you got to take care of your family, all right? So, again, with no further ado, we are bringing on our beloved sister and friend, comrade, sister, activist, Tawanda Jones. Hey, love you there. Yes, how are you? And thanks for having me on. Not a problem. 
Not a problem at all. Thank you for being here with us. We appreciate you. So tell us what's going on with you, wherever you want to start. I'm cool with it. If you want to talk about what's going on now in Baltimore, so give our listening audience a clear understanding of what's going on directly from you since you are there in the streets, or if you want to take us back from the beginning. Let us know what you well, want. Since we're, so since we're actually talking about the coronavirus and whatnot, I'll start from there, and then from there I'll just go ahead and rewind and talk about everything, you know, and all the good, great <clears throat> details about what happened to my brother Tyrone West and what's going on. But um, <clears throat> I'm glad you said that. So basically right now they're shutting my city completely down like they actually have the uh, martial law thing in effect um, that you can't um, disperse any gatherings of more than um, 250 people or you will be subject to be, like, arrested by these National Guards, took an end. They just shut down um, all of the schools, Baltimore City as well as the county schools. They can't go back until the 27th. They literally started, like, I want to say two days ago, shutting down the colleges and whatnot, saying certain things, but they just, like, as like, and there's more development, but the governor just came on and, basically said how, you know, the National Guards are are coming and, you know, and this thing as well, like nobody can play, like the sports arenas, the um, basketball arena things have been actually shut down like that so nobody will be, like, in the arena watching the games type of thing. It's It's totally real. But I wanted to say something, and it's just my way of thinking because it was just crazy how – as we were hearing more and more about the corona. Meanwhile, in my city, I never seen the flu break out like it had broken out ever before. Like, literally, like, damn near my whole school that I work at had it. Like, I, if I had to do a percentage, I would say at least 85% of my school teachers, students had the flu, flu-like symptoms, had scrap what the whole thing is. I had the flu before, literally, Six years ago, I'll never forget it, and, um, well, almost seven years ago because my brother Tyrone was living, and he had to actually take care of me. But when they said I got the flu this time, it is totally different. And in my theory, what if it had already, what if the corona had already been here? And then recently they had reported, like, um, a weekend ago, two weekends ago, I was on my way coming back. I finally got over the flu. I had a girl's trip with my family and whatnot, and when I was coming back, I had read that they actually shut down a cruise ship here in Baltimore, um, and they had over 84 people tested positive for the flu, and I'm like, wow, like, and then, like, you think about the flu system, like, so people that even had the flu shot were getting the flu. To me, it sounded like they didn't want to scare us that basically the corona right now I, you know, my voice, like, and it messes with your voice. My voice still ain't back. I still keep con- chronically coughing. You get what I'm saying? Literally, I done had the, um, you know, the flu. I was clear of the flu for the last past, I want to say, going on two weeks now. But yet, I'm still coughing real bad. My voice hasn't came back yet, and this is crazy. And when I say I never felt like that, when I had the flu the last time, like, my body ached, but this time was different. Like, literally, when it hit me, I instantly 
started coughing and could not stop coughing. And everybody that's getting this so-called quote-unquote flu is having the same. The crazy part, you can't determine, you know, the symptoms of the corona is the same exact things as the flu. So that's why right. I'm trying to say I think it's literally my, my point. I think it already been here, and they just kind of worked that, but now they're saying that, it's a pandemically happening everywhere, and it's like a, it's to the point they can't control it, and now they want to come back and start saying, oh, kind of precaution yourself type of thing and tell you things after the fact. So that's what's going on in my city as far as the um, corona. You know what, and, and, and there there are some resources, Sister Tawanda, um, <laughs> that you there are some remedies, some herbal remedies that you can also take too. And for mm-hmm. those of you that are familiar with um, Brother Willie Lynch Jr. He also mm-hmm. does a phenomenal piece. Follow him on Facebook, brother uh, Willie Lynch Jr. Uh, he's got some um, YouTube videos and stuff out there too. But um, you know, he's a professional comedian. However, he does talk about the herbs, and the brother's been doing his thorough research as well. And then brother Eddie Harris, also one of our fellow um, Blog Talk Radio um, personalities, our uh, show hosts as well. He talks about some of the herbs and stuff that you could take. Um, you could take some sassafras. Um, helps with your iron and it helps with some other things as well. These are herbs for you guys. Um, so you get it from a health food store or check out some of those um, Latino um, mm-hmm. uh, grocery stores because they have, the Mexicans, the Latinos, they have some stuff that, that's more of a pure source uh, than what you're getting from some of these other health food stores and other industries. So Sassuspirilla is good. Sea moss is also good. Um, and I'll have to get you the name of some of the other stuff that's also good as well. Stop using hand sanitizer, everybody. Stop using hand sanitizer. Um, use some natural essential oils, um, so mm-hmm. rubbing your hands like a protective blend. Uh, I'll give you some of that information as well, Sister Tawanda and everybody else um, at a later date. Mm-hmm. But we definitely appreciate you. If you have the opportunity or you know someone that, that can take some photos of what's going on out there with the so that we can post them on our show so people can see it, um, guys that are listening and tuning in online, you can also tune in online, blogtalkradio.com forward slash King Yah, K-I-N-G-Y-A, and then you'll see the, the title, of the show. Just look for the title. We're live right now, so we'll be live for about two hours. We're going to cover this story for about two hours. So uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in to the show, and I'll come to the phone lines as well for some questions and some answers and all that good stuff. And then you guys can also put it, uh, give us your input, what's going on in your city, what's going on in your state, so that we can utilize this as a as a platform where we are communicating effectively with each other and, uh, and providing resources. So thank you for that. Uh, go ahead, Sister Tawanda. Yeah, so um, in regards to my um, king brother, Tyrone West, um, basically on July the 18th, 2013, my brother was brutally assassinated right here in the city. So when you hear about the uprise with um, Freddie Gray, we were long out there. May he rest in peace and may his family truly, truly get accountability one day. And that's having those killer cops and cell blocks. But nevertheless, in regards to my family, had they would have taken necessary actions um, in regards to my brother being brutally murdered, maybe the cops that murdered Freddie Gray would have had, like, thought about it, like, wait a minute, you know, they just hand down, a, like, a healthy sentence to these killer cops that murdered an unarmed man for no reason, then, you know, maybe Freddie Gray life would have, you know, not been snatched away the, you know, same way fashion that my brother was. But nevertheless, on July the um, 18, 2013, I will never, ever forget that day 
That is a horrible day that literally changed my life forever. Literally, I started off, it was a beautiful morning. It was always a beautiful morning when my brother would actually call me and wake me up just to be like, hey, sis, good morning. You up? You ready for work? And I'm like, yeah, brother. And what I did was at the time I had just purchased a new green Mercedes Benz, and I thought that me allowing my brother to drive my car to and from work because he had a job as well, um, I thought that that would be like a safe haven for him. But what I thought would be a safe haven ultimately got my brother murdered by some stinking maniac murderers. But in the old way, that morning started off great. My brother called me. Um, I and even in a summer, like you introduced me, I am a teacher. I teach all year long, including summer camp, um, pre-kindergarten teacher, kindergarten teacher type of thing. And so I was, you know, teaching at summer camp or whatever. Even though schools were closed, we still had summer camp or whatnot. But nevertheless, my brother called me that morning, and I'm like, he like, hey, so she's still coming to get me. I'm like, yeah. So what I would do was I would literally leave my house and go and pick my brother up take him, you know, like come pick him up, and I would switch seats. As soon as he come out of his house, I would go into the pastor side, and then he would literally drop my kids off to daycare and then take me on to work, and then he would take himself to work, and literally he would pick my kids up from um, daycare and whatnot or camp. At the time they were in camp, he took them to summer camp. He went to work, so he was doing all of this stuff, and then he literally um, got off work literally around 3 o'clock in the evening, but I didn't get off until like 5.30. Long story short, he literally would always be outside my job before 5.30 because he said if you always, he always, he's a brother that was so serious that he said, like, if you were on time for your job, you are late. He said always allow yourself to be an extra, if not a whole hour to a half an hour earlier because you never know things might happen. So, and that's the model he lived by. So he would always show up at my job like a quarter to five. Even though I got off at 5.30, he would be outside. I, my car would pull up and the students would see him through the window of my classroom and be like, your brother's out there? And that would make joy. But And, and I'll never forget that interesting day, horrible day. It turned to a nightmare. I actually had a police officer in my class from that same district, my co-teacher husband, and by the way, he's an immaculate man. You know, he's a um, even though he's an officer, he was um, also like into the church and things like that. So to actually have um, an officer friendly, I would call inside of my classroom, telling the kids how to have a safe summer, giving me a dare bear type of thing was very exciting to me. And I never forget. The engagement was really great, and I'll never forget when I was leaving out my jaw, I had the dare bear, teddy bear with me in my arms because they gave it to me to keep for my students. And I had a photo of me and the officer and the kids in the classroom, and I'll never forget taking it into my car. My brother said, what's that bear, sis? And I said, "Um, yeah. I said, we just had, um, I would say, officer friendly in my classroom. He was like, wow, that's awesome. He said, Dad, that still exists? He said, that's cool. I ain't know Officer Friendly still exists in the classroom. He said, that's real cool. And I showed him a picture. And then from that moment, that sparked a conversation between my brother and I because literally that Saturday, my brother got murdered on that Thursday, but that Saturday, that horrible verdict 
of Trayvon Martin that sparked off, I guess, the Black Lives Matter movement, but that verdict had came in and that verdict had said that Trayvon's killer was found not guilty. So literally, I was like, um, tore up. My brother was tore up when we found out about the news, but that sparked that conversation. Now, he said, yes, yeah, sis. He said, how are you still feeling about what happened on Saturday about the George Zimmerman situation? I said, yeah. I said, brother, I'm still, um, you know, like horrified about that and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, he said, but you know what, sis? We got to worry about all these George Zimmermans in our communities and our corners that's taking over doing things to us. That's what we need to worry about. Even though that's horrible what happened to that poor um, young king, um, Trayvon, we got to worry about the George Zimmermans here in our own community. And I'm in my mind like, brother, that's profound. That's really deep. Can you elaborate? But at that moment, he got a call. And that call of him doing a good deed, actually got his life took. A young lady was in need of a ride. He didn't barely knew this young lady. He knew her maybe more than a couple weeks. He had met her, and um, I'll never forget, he used to always joke and laugh about, he was like, since I can't believe you let me drive your Mercedes Benz, it feels so good. He said, it's a woman magnet. So many women be on me, blah, 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 yada, and I'm just laughing at him because that's my big brother, and we would joke with each other like that. But long story short, that day after he got that phone call, because me and him was at a local restaurant getting dinner, because I'm like, hey, brother, it's too hot to cook tonight. He was like, well, I'll treat us to something to eat. So he took us to, like, a little local restaurant, and we began to get our dinner, and that's when the phone call came in, his cell phone, and there was a young lady. She said um, that she had called the cab. Nobody came for her and whatnot. Could he actually come pick her up and take her to her mom's house or whatever? So he asked me, he's like, sis, you mind if I, I don't mean to be the nuisance, you mind if I borrow your car and go get this young lady? So at my mind, I'm like, as long as you pick up your knees somewhere in the process tonight and I ain't got to go back out the house tonight to get her, I'm fine. You can just go get her, pick your knees up, you keep the car in the morning, you can come get me. He's like, all right, cool. So we were laughing and joking about that, me locking eyes for my brother for the last time. I'll never forget, I'm putting my key in the door as I'm great pull, as he's great pull off. I'm like, brother, why are you looking at me like that? And not knowing that this was the last time I was going to ever lock eyes with my brother, ever again. He's like, I'm just waiting for you to get in the house so I can go, because he was a real gentleman. He was not going to pull off until he made sure I got in the house safely. So as I opened up the door, I'm like, all right. I said, well, don't forget your niece. Just call me when you get a chance. I'm sure I'm going to call you after drop the young lady off, you know, and you can tell me what time I'm picking up my niece tonight. I'm like, all right, cool. Literally, I lied to you, not my brother. Oh, my goodness. At exactly, it's a 6.30 now. At exactly 7 o'clock, I'm in my house eating the dinner that me and him just grabbed. I'm doing lesson plans, planning activities for my kids at school for um, camp the next day. Because the next day we're supposed to have a um, clown come in. So I'm creating, like, fun activities of you know, making, like, popcorns and, you know, just things that you would do related to a circus, you know, knowing that a clown was going to come to my classroom the next day. But literally, when I say so much of pain went through my body, it felt like, oh, my God, if I could describe it, I never had a stroke, never. God forbid, don't want to feel like that. But I actually thought I was experiencing a stroke because I felt so much pain in my back and my neck, 
oh, my God, to the point I fell off my bed and the pain lasted maybe 10 to 15 minutes. I remember crying and feeling like, oh, my goodness, like, wow, I have all this pain in my body. And I remember my fiancé walked in the room and he said, Tawanda, are you okay? And I was like, no. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, something bad, like, oh, my God, my body is hurting so bad. I don't know. He was like, and I was like, I, I can't use my car now because my brother got, I, got, I might got to get to the hospital. Then after that, the pain just stopped. And I felt crazy as if my worlds were changing just like that. As I was like, it's like you ever see the movie Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz when the wind was like swirling and she was going yeah. in the storm. I felt like that. I felt yeah. like maybe like my whole world was shifting and twisting. And then the first thought I thought was like, oh, snap, let me call Tyrone. So instantly I, that I, it was a painful, panicky, please let him answer the phone type of thing. And I called him over 200 times, kept ringing his phone, ringing his phone. He would not pick up to the point that I was so, like, mind-blown and gone to the point my fiancé was like, look, I'm going to go down to your brother's house. He might, he's like, you panicking. You're going to really make yourself sick. You're going to be in the hospital. Let me go down there. I said, look, if you don't see that green Mercedes Benz outside of his house, please just call me. He's like, he's probably down there asleep. I said, no, he's not going to never not answer the phone. And me and him always believed in strong communication, but his phone could be dead. Anything could be happening. Calm down or what? I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm waiting for him to get down there. He go down to his house and literally what seemed to be like 20 to 30 minutes seemed like it was hours. I'm standing there like, oh, my goodness, shaking, rocking, study calling him. I'm study calling around my family like, have y'all heard from Tyler? like, no, what, what's going on? I'm like, I think something bad happened to him. You know, they was like, why did you say that? So the instant when I called my aunt, who um, we always call like our mom who helped raise us, played a big deal in my um, brother and my life. Aunt Diane, I'm on the phone with her. She's like, well, let me, um, she's like, oh, my God, don't don't scare me like that. She said, well, let me um, call around a few hospitals. You think he might have gotten a car accident? I said, I don't know, but I, God is telling me something bad happened. And I started telling her I had all this pain in my body, then it stopped. She said, well, look, don't scare me, don't upset me. She said, let me call around. So she hung up with me calling around. Then meanwhile, my fiancé calls me back. He's, like, down at my brother's house, and he sounds sad and disappointed, like, what's up? You know, is he there, everything good? He was like, no, you're calling out. I was like, please, please hurry up back up here. Please, I need you now. I just started screaming. He was like, all right, I'm on my way. So literally now he gets back to me. I want to say now the time is maybe 9 o'clock-ish, 9.15, something along those lines. He get back. I'm like, look, I need – um." You to understand, I need to make a very important call. You might not gonna agree with who I'm gonna call. He was like, "What? What? What?" I said, "I'm gonna call my ex." He was like, "Oh gosh!" I was like, "Look, cause this ain't about none of that." Cause at the time, before my fiance, I used to date a city cop. So literally, something was like, "Call your ex because he knows your brother. He knows your car." call him to see what the hell's going on, see maybe if he at work type of thing. So literally I called my ex. I got the phone being transparent. I got the phone on speaker so my fiance can hear what's going on, just just being transparent, and I'm calling my ex or whatever. So I'm like, um, hey, you know, how you doing? He was like, all right. And um, I was, he was like, how are you? I said, I'm worried. Like, how? He's like, well, I said, my brother's missing. He said, what you mean missing? I said, literally, he bought my car. He's not answering the phone. I'm sick. I'm scared that something bad happened to him. He's like, 
for a while. I said, are you at work? He said, yeah, I'm up at the district right now doing some paperwork. I said, oh, please. I said, God told me to call you. He said, oh, yeah. I said, he, I said, look, I said, I don't know what I'm saying to you right now. I said, but did you not too long ago get a Signal 13? He was like, yeah, maybe a half hour ago. I was like, oh, my God, please go check that out. That's my brother. That's my brother. He like, what? He was like, oh, you crazy. You gone nuts. I'm like, what do you mean I'm gone nuts? He was like, a single 13 doesn't have anything to do with a missing person. A single 13 meaning the officer is down, the officer is in disgrace. I said, look, I don't know nothing about the cold talks, not interested in it. I said, I'm just acting off the word of God, what God is telling me, my instincts, my sick feelings, all that. I said, please, if you can, just go check that signal 13 out, please. He said, all right, well, if I can, I definitely will. So I hung up with him. Literally, 10 o'clock is here. i never forget, fiancé walked in the room, turns my TV on, and I'm like, on the phone, I just called my aunt back, who, like I said, Aunt Diane, my mom type of thing. I'm like, hey, aunt, hey, mom, what's going on? She was like, did you hear from Tyrone yet? I said, no. I said, I'm calling you to ask you, literally, my fiance, I don't know if it, whatever type of way would you break down telling somebody that their loved one is gone and they never going to see them again. But he literally, I'm sorry, give me a minute. Because it's like I'm going back there. And I hate going back to that place because it's so heartbreaking. But nevertheless, he, he said, you were right. I said, right about what? He said, they killed your brother. And I said, kill who? Like, I'm shaking. I'm like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And literally, he turned my TV on. I'm looking at my brother's body on a journey. I'm hearing Fox 45 News said that a man died. Um, It was a struggle with officers for a traffic stop. And a man died, and they said it was, like, another person in the car, and they had somebody else. And I'm just thinking in my mind, like, even though I'm seeing my brother dead on a gurney, lifeless body, I'm in my mind, like, no, they ain't my brother. Because I'm not trying to accept it. I literally, like, just fell to the floor. I remember my my auntie screaming and crying because she could hear him saying, I was like, oh, my God, they killed him. They killed him. She's like, what? We screaming. We crying. I, I remember throwing my phone. And I remember I just... I don't know if I passed out. I just know my whole life, my whole, that that whole tornado feeling that I explained to you, everything just turned around, shift. I was no longer there, and I just remember I didn't even want to live no more. I was just like, God, just take me. But then I remember the God in me said, you have work to do. Get up off that floor. And I was so mad at God. I'm not even going to lie. I was so mad. I'm like, God. How can you allow this? I say he wasn't a perfect man, but, God, he honored you every Sunday with me in church. He turned his whole life completely around. He never killed nobody. Like, he was a good man. How could you allow this to happen? And God said to me, God and me said he did not suffer. That's why I let you feel that pain. I took my king gracefully because you have work to do. We all going to leave this place one day, but I guarantee you Tyrone West is not going to go down in vain. His name is not going to be in vain, and it's going to be something 
big attachment that that's going to change things. You got work to do. Get up off that floor. And I just was like, oh, my God. And then I, I got up and I started asking for forgiveness by then. I had already put a post on Facebook saying that I wanted to die. They just killed my brother. And everybody started, like, chiming in. And I don't remember even seeing them. And I just remember my brother being up literally all night like a zombie. My whole world was just, like, numb, just, like, gone, like, oh, my God. And I remember when we, my family members went, half of them went down a homicide, and they left me in there. And I remember when they were on the phone with me via three-way, and they were saying that the detectives here said that they wanted to meet us tomorrow at one of our houses or whatever, giving them an address. And I remember talking directly to the detective, and I remember him saying, oh, we just, um, I'm like, why can't y'all see us tonight? What's going on? Why didn't y'all call me? He had my vehicle. Everything about me, even if you don't know his ID, he had his ID on him. I said he just paid for my food with his credit card. He had to show ID because he rolled on the back of his credit card do not, you know, like when you sign it, you can't, nobody can sign nothing without you showing your ID. On his credit card, it says show ID, and he showed his ID. So I'm like, I know he had to stop. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a John Doe. What, like, what the hell are you talking about? We can come out there. Like, what are you talking about? And they was like, well, we can't get into the details. We just need to meet with you tomorrow. And then when they told me, they said, look, calm down. They said, we're dealing with um, some community violence. They said a young um, lady, a 16-year-old, just got a throat slash. It was a, a double homicide. It was a suicide murder. Somebody killed her and killed herself. My heart just instantly went out. My And at that moment, I could turn my own pain down because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not the only one in pain, even though the people that's supposed to serve and protect just took my brother's life. Like, oh, my God, somebody's daughter just got murdered. Like, oh, my God, like, I'm a mother. I got two daughters. I got two sons. Like, okay, and I'm like, I'm actually apologizing to the detective now because my humbleness kicked in, and I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, well, you can come meet at my house tomorrow at noon, you know, gave my address type of thing. They're like, okay, thank you, and we'll definitely be there. So then get there, so I got no sleep. Literally, to speed the story up, they come in, they got a house Negro, and they got three white detectives that walk in. The white detectives not saying nothing. They let the house Negro lead the way, and he's talking. His name is Detective, um, Detective, I'm sorry, uh, wait a minute, I can't, oh my goodness. So it was a Detective Degato, he was a white uh, detective. Then there was, um, we called him, oh, my goodness, Lieutenant Lieutenant Colonel Russell. And everybody always think of him in the black community as, oh, he's a hero because he goes out, he does this, he's a pastor of a church, and he goes and he does so much for the community. Well, they don't know the dark side of him, the dark side of him. And I call you a house Negro. If you're going to come into a black family's house, say the same damn thing when they kill unarmed men and women and talk the family down when they ask basic questions. It was like, why the hell didn't you call us type of thing, this, that, and the third, and then you want to break out into a prayer, and then you want to start praying. But anyway, long story short, when they walked in, this is 12 o'clock, they said, well, look, they said, Miss Jones, we're sorry about your loss, blase, blase, and then they tried to attempt to tell us this bullcrap story. They're like, your brother, Tyrone West, we're so sorry. He's at the city morgue. They're going to do his autopsy around 2.30 today. Mind you, they didn't even do his autopsy yet as these lying, stinking detectives are in my family home. 
And I'm like, why didn't y'all call me? My brother had this idea. It was like, well, no, he goes under so many alias. We had to run his fingerprints. This is not like CSI that you see on TV. We do it totally different. We want want to tell you. And then it was like we wanted to do this, and we had to get a, a um search warrant to search your vehicle to make sure it wasn't like no other dead bodies or anything in your car. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, first of all, you're lying. I said, because I saw my vehicle, my green Mercedes Benz on the knees with my brother's body on the gurney. Y'all had, y'all was raffling all through my trunk of my car. I saw that. And I know my brother didn't give consent. So what time he would never give nobody consent to search my car. He would have said, call my sister. He definitely would have requested me. So I know that you guys did some dirty shit. You know, I'm excuse me, dirty stuff. And I'm telling them this, long story short, um, I'm, and then at the same time, I'm like, let me record them. I'm like, I don't know why my family was like, no, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, nah, man, I ain't got nothing to lose. They did the worst when they killed my brother. I'm recording them. I'm being transparent to make sure they won't say nothing wrong. I won't say nothing wrong type of thing. So I started recording them. As I got my phone recording them, I still got the the message of them lying, saying, well, look, this is what we're going to do. They said um, his, his, his body's going to be worked on at 2.30 this afternoon. And they said, um, after this autopsy, they said, we just want to make sure. They said, did Mr. West have any health issues? I'm like, oh, no, he had no health issues. I'm like, because um, he just got an interview for his job. I said, um, I said, matter of fact, they just moved him to a different department. He got a promotion, and they just did a healthy physical. I took him to his physical two weeks ago. Oh, I said, do you want that? I'm like, you know, do you want that? He he was definitely healthy. Oh, no, we don't need that. We, we don't want that. And I'm like, well. And it was like, well, we just want to make sure we're not going to leave no um, stone unturned. We're going to make sure that all the chips fall where they may. We want to make sure Mr. West didn't have any heart issues. We want to make sure that the weather, because you know it was real hot on yesterday. We want to make sure that the weather didn't contribute to Mr. West. So so much stuff. And trust me, if anybody did any foul play, we're going to hold them accountable. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And the crazy part, it took them five months, my brother, to give us a bullcrap autopsy report that basically lied and said my brother died from um, dehydration and a, a bad heart. Like, are you kidding me? So they Right, so it took them me. that long to come that up long. with some type of fake excuse to cover up basically yes. what actually yes. transpired, what Absolutely. happened. And not only that, speaking of cover up, so mind you, this autopsy was done on the 19th. And literally, his daughter paid for his whole entire funeral, bless her heart. We had the funeral of our choice. We told them to go pick up my brother. They called us back. They called me like, hey, because I was the contact person. They're like, Miss Jones, well, um, we went to go get your brother's body, but we heard some crazy stuff. I said, what crazy stuff? They're not going to release his body because of the weekend. I'm like, well, have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard of such? And they're like, well, no, we we didn't, but, you know, they're going to release it. Mind you, they took five days to release my brother by. Five days they hit his body because what, in my opinion, they tried to reconstruct his face because they probably beat him to the point that literally, so my family organized right after we, after the lion um, detectives left our family home, immediately we're like, uh-uh, we 
we ready to come across. We heard all the witnesses on the news, talking witness saying how they beat my brother from one side of the street to the next, how my brother dying words was Trayvon Martin helped me. So you know that sparked everything off of me. So that was the last conversation about the George Zimmerman's being on every corner, and I can only imagine why he was getting his life beat, pepper sprayed, tased out of him by 11 to 15 maniacs. And the crazy part, the first two that pulled my brother over, Officer Ruiz and Officer Keller Chapman, they literally, 24 hours, there was another victim named Darrell Harris. They tried to kill him, but this brother got the person in his car to call 911 for a supervisor, and that's what saved Darrell's life. Then I found out, because immediately I started something called West Wednesday, and it was named that on my brother, and it's been going on just about there. Yesterday we went out there for 345 weeks, 345 weeks, not days, but weeks, out there nonstop on the ground. And there was a opening that I set up, my family set up, for all the victims of police brutality because these are not isolated incidents. It's systemically happening, and it's happening all around the world. So literally with our West Wednesday, we were able to meet other victims of these same first two unmarked. And then I was told from the beginning that the first two killer cops, Ruiz and Chapman, was a part of the elite gun trace task, um, gun trace task force that literally killed Detective Suter here in our city. It was an officer named Detective Suter that was murdered by his own in our opinion. It's going to be investigated, but I don't believe none of their phony investigation because it always leads back to the officers act within reason. They didn't do anything wrong, and there's another black or brown body just gone. And the crazy part, literally, so to jump into a more, I actually took $50,000 of my own money. Mind you, I don't have that much of money. I'm a teacher. I'm not a doctor. I don't make that much. But to me, it's not about the income. It's about the outcome. That's why I teach. I love the little ones. I can teach all the way up to 12th grade. I choose the pre-K, kindergarten, preschool type of thing because I love the babies. But nevertheless, um, I got my brother's body exhumed and literally Everything that we knew was true. My brother was murdered. Because even before, what made me get my brother's body exhumed, it took them five months to give us a bullcrap autopsy report. And literally, somebody, a news reporter, had called me the day that they was going to announce my brother's autopsy. And she said, you know what? I got a leak from the medical examiner's office. You were right, sis. Your brother was murdered. He died from positional yeah. asphyxiation. She said he died from positional asphyxiation. I'm like, oh, wow. Thanks, sis. for well, uh, choked him, basically. Yeah, but Hold on one second. Okay. Hold on one second, Tawanda. We're going to take a quick break. Hold on one second. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our show. We are live and on the air with Sister Tawanda Jones. Uh, she is the sister of the related brother, Tyrone West, who was murdered by Baltimore Police Department. And um, we're going to go to the phone lines. Uh, I think we got some callers on the line, those that are interested in uh, asking uh, Sister Tawanda or myself, questions or you want some answers, uh, we're coming to the phone lines. I think we got Mama AZ. We're going to come to you first. Mama AZ, Thank is you, that sir. you? Yes, sir. It is. I'm I'm here, and I'm um, Welcome. sending out. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm sending out notifications to others to chime in to the show as well. I'm I'm listening because I'd never heard this before 
and 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 I'm listening. And sister, you have you have my condolences. I feel your heart. I feel your spirit. And there's so much that's going on uh, uh, all over this planet. And every Thursday, I, I want to say to the listening audience that this is Mama Bonfire calling you from the last historic site of the Buffalo mm-hmm. Soldiers here in uh, Fort Naco, Arizona, Fort Huachuca. Uh, I'm sure many people know about the history somewhat of the Buffalo Soldiers, but I want to say this, baby. Um, every other Thursday, not not today, but next Thursday, we have a prayer line. And if uh, I will share the number uh, with Brother Kenya, and he can share it with you. You can call in. It's uh, 15 to 30 minutes, and you can call in, baby, and, and just have and you prayer. Can share the you can share the number, Mama Easy. Okay. You can I don't share it online. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, right. okay. I'll do that. I'll send it to you. Can you give me one second? I'm getting the ink pen. Okay, that's fine. Okay, uh, I'll share it. Okay, all right. But anyway, Thursday, every Thursday at uh, uh, 7 o'clock, probably your time, because it's coming out of Florida, I'll put you on notice to that. And feel free to call in, and we'll just have prayer together. So I'm just listening and taking in, baby, and sending prayers and light to you as you are sharing your story. I'm grateful that you're able to do this, and I'm grateful for this platform, my dear brother. Thank you for listening to your spirit yesterday and reaching out to me. So I'll be quiet and let somebody else, I'll be here, uh, chime in. Thank you, sir. Okay, what's the, what's the number, my sister? She's going to get it. Okay, She's going to get it to me, and I'll send it to you. Okay, good. I'll I'll, I'll text it. Yes, I'll text it to him, and 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 um um uh he can share it with you. All right. Thank Hello. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mama Az. I appreciate that. So again, you guys appreciate are listening you. to Sister Tawanda West. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, you're listening to Sister Tawanda West, and I'm your host, King Yacht. And uh, Tawanda West is sharing her. Uh, story of about her brother that was brutally murdered by Baltimore Police Department. Uh, we're going to go to the phone lines. We have other callers on the line, so I'm just going to open up uh, another phone line and uh, see if uh, our caller has something to say. Uh, give me one moment. We'll be right to the next caller. Erico 618, your phone line is open. Do you have a question or comment? Tell us your name, where you're calling from. Erico 618, your phone line is open. Questions or comments, or you want to remain silent, that's fine. You can do that, too. Okay. All right. So sometimes our callers just want to listen. Uh, If you have a question or comment, please press the number 1. Press the number 1 button on your phone. Let us know that uh, you have a question or comment, and then we'll cue you in. Sister Tawanda, you and your family have suffered a great deal. Yeah. And... My heart goes out to you and your family, as always. Thank you. And, you know, I love your tenacity. I love your drive, your resilience. And, 
you know, my support is always with you and your family for sure. What can you tell our family this evening mm-hmm. about what you found out, what your family found out once Tyrone West's body was exhumed? What so, happened? Yeah, so basically what we found out was what we knew all along, that my brother Tyrone West was brutally murdered. He um, died from professional asphyxiation, and that was the third time. So first, our attorneys, they got um, their forensic um, doctor, Dr. Mannion. He was the um, first doctor that, like, went over his tissue and whatnot, and he deemed my brother's um, case a homicide, and he said he died from positional asphyxiation. And like I was saying, that a reporter had called me personally and said that they're going to come out and tell you that your brother died from positional asphyxiation, but basically they changed it and they lied and said that my brother had a bad heart and he died from a heart attack and dehydration. And I'm like, are you kidding me? But the answer, the saddest part was I, um, we buried my brother in a black shirt. He had on black and gray. Um, when the last time I saw him and when we got his body exhumed, he wasn't like an organ donor or anything. Long story short, his organs were out of his body. They allegedly sent them um, in a bag to you. I'm not a forensic doctor, but why was all of his organs taken out of his body in a bag sent? So I, I, to me, my guess would be that they basically was frantic because something that was only supposed to cost me no more than $20,000 basically went to $50,000, and they based so many games. They didn't even want me to examine my brother's body. They played so many games. They were trying to do the stall tactics of, oh, well, in order for you to um, examine your brother's body, you would have to get permission from the state's attorney, um, and you would also have to post in the um, a newspaper stating um, where your brother's body is. I'm like, why would I want to post something privately that I'm doing that has nothing to do with my attorneys? So they played so many games, and then they're trying to find out I didn't have to go to Marilyn Mosby, our state's attorney. I had to go to somebody in the county because my brother's body was, you know, with in, in the county jurisdiction. So what they were trying to do was stall me and buy time. And the crazy part, that's real scary, as I was going through this process and praying, like I said, I'm a Christian woman, a praying woman, and when I prayed about it, um, God told me, to, and I found this forensic doctor, bless his heart, Dr. Um, Shaker, he um, basically um, was transparent, but he let us know that my brother was murdered. And then he also, we found out, because I got my brother to, I'm not, I got my cousin to identify my brother's body because through the process here in Baltimore, they would not let me see my brother's body before um, he was flown out to Texas for the um, autopsy, for them to do the second autopsy or whatever, but he was not, you know, for them to do this, the autopsy or whatever. But nevertheless, um I told the doctor, do not perform the autopsy until my cousin, basically, and then I had to pay another hundreds of dollars to get my brother, I mean, to get my cousin on the same plane with my brother's body. And it was just crazy. I had to get him thrown out to you. I had to put him in a hotel. It was just crazy how I got extorted out of all this money. Then in addition to that, I had to get another $10,000 to challenge the fact for them to test the so-called bad heart and come to find out his heart wasn't bad, which we knew. He was the healthiest man in my family. But the thing that was interesting, I want the audience to know 
We buried him in black, but when he got to Alabama, he had on a yellow shirt. His um, suit jacket that he was buried in was no longer on him, and I, nobody can explain this to me. And then I didn't ever tell you that the doctor here, the autopsy doctor here, Pamela Southall, who actually, when she was working on my brother's body, the police department, I believe some of the killers that murdered my brother was in the room with her while she did the autopsy. What kind of foolishness you got officers in the room while you're doing the autopsy report that's supposed to be non-biased and what now you got officers there all these police officers and literally when they killed and beat the life out of my brother including the officer named david lewis from morgan like i said it was 11 to 15 officers stomping kicking pepper spraying tasing beat my brother worse than rodney king you get what i'm saying and for them, and, and then for her never to, for, for Pamela Southall, the forensic doctor here in Maryland, to sit up there and lie to my family and didn't take any pictures. But I got news for Pamela Southall. She killed the wrong man but got the right family. I am my brother's keeper. Literally, when they hit my brother's body for five days, I was smart enough to call that funeral home, and I said, please, before my brother gets there, when you guys get that call stating that he's on the way, doing the transportation part, please give my family a call. We want to pray over my brother's body. We were deprived. So the funeral home was like, okay, we'll give you a call as soon as we hear something. And they literally called me, and they said, Mr. Jones, they're going to have your brother's body here like around 2 o'clock this afternoon. We got there at least 11 o'clock hours before. And literally when they got there at 2 o'clock, again, police officers were escorting my brother's dead body to the funeral home, and then literally I had to beg the funeral director because I didn't want to get her in any trouble. I said, please, can you allow me, before you um put any embalming fluid or anything in my brother, let me just say a prayer, but let me see him. I heard he was beat to the point that we're going to need a closed casket. So she went back there and looked at him. She said, oh, my goodness, my sister. She said, I don't know your brother or anything. She said, but that guy back there looks good. His dreadlocks are long, and he doesn't look like, you know, what you're thinking. He actually looks good, and we don't have any or." You know, we don't even have any, um, you know, involvement for we haven't even done anything on them yet. I said, okay, can I go back there and see him? But what I did was I said, let me grab two of my biggest uncles out the car. I'm like, can y'all go in the room with me real quick? I told the rest of my family, I said, hold up. I said, we're going to all come and pray, but I need my two uncles. I picked the biggest two of my uncles because I had a plan. I went in there, and I was, like, mortified. And it looked like they literally put a little smirk on my brother's face as if he was smiling. Who in the hell smile while you getting beat down by 11 or 15 officers? You gasped And for you to actually went up to believe that he died with a smirk on his face? Are you, that was a, so I literally almost passed off from seeing that. I'm like, oh, yeah, they got the best doctor to try to do work. And then to throw, put a little smirk on his face, I was done with it. But the crazy, that's what's fun. I'm glad I did what I did. I told my strong uncles. Pull this sheet back because she was like, don't touch his body. We didn't even bleach it down. But I said, give me some gloves, ma'am. I just, this is my brother. She was like, because we can get, I, I, I pulled those sheets back and I took thousands of pictures of my brother. And when I say it looked like a train track, they cut dashes out. My brother, nobody can explain this. And good old Pamela Southall, when they gave us these little seven flimsy page autopsy report, no photographs of I never heard of somebody doing an autopsy and you don't take one photo. And we already know about the X cut or whatever. 
But when I say he had cuts in his neck, cuts on the back of his legs, arms, like I got graphic pictures of what they did to my damn brother's body. So they got the right one. And there's more stuff that I have. And I always bring it to them on anniversary days and give them just a little bit more. Get them a little bit more. You don't give them all of everything. And God forbid if they do anything for me, everything I got is out of terror and somebody else is going to bring it. So they're not, even though they actually got to my phone and they tried to stop us from doing the autopsy because literally when I called the doctor in Texas to say my brother's body is finally coming, oh, my goodness, he was like, I can't do it. And I'm like, what do you mean? I started crying. He was like, because you tried to get me fired this morning. I said, I tried to get you fired. Why would I try to get you fired? He was like, you called my boss. You wanted a team of doctors to fly down from Maryland. I don't operate like that. I said, that was not me. I had to pray and thank God that morning. Like I said, I always act off of God. I let God direct my path every day, every second. And literally, God told me to call him that morning and let him hear my grandmother, who is getting to have her 86th birthday coming up. But nevertheless, she was on the phone thanking him, like, you know, whatever you do, all we want is answers. We just want the truth. Please, they shouldn't have, this is my first grandbaby type of thing. So when he heard that message, that touched his heart. And I remember that forensic doctor saying, my sister, please pray for me. I'm scared now. So it's definitely real. Yes, um, yes, sister. Yes, I, then I, then I went, So the activism work came then with me. So when they wanted to interview me, I was bringing families like Anthony Anderson, who was killed by that same unit a whole year prior. I was bringing them to the interview, interview Anthony Anderson's family first, because I need to stay in my place in life. I know my place because it didn't start in my brother, and unfortunately it doesn't stop. They used to get mad. Denise would get mad. They're like, well, you know, it's about your brother right now. No, that's why I'm bringing all these other brothers and sisters and stolen lives that you guys stole. You guys did. These are not isolated. So you're not going to hand me this screaming, oh, this happened to Calvin Weston, then the end of the story, the light blown out. No, I don't work like that. And literally, it took the um, prosecutor five to six months to meet with my family. It took him 154 days to be exact to meet with my family and tell us a lie and tell us that he was not going to um, prosecute. His name was Greg Bernstein, racist white um, state's attorney here in Baltimore. We literally got him kicked out of office. We shut him down with West Wednesday. We literally lobbied around Marilyn Mosey. She's the reason why we are in office. She's in office now. And for her literally not to do nothing in my brother's case is beyond me. Because I'm not asking you to lie. I'm not asking you to steal. I'm not asking you to cheat. I'm asking you to bring accountability because we know, I know, that there's no statutation limit on murder. You can go and get a killer 40, 50, 60 years later. You get what I'm saying? So why having none of these killer cops in a courtroom about my brother? It's beyond me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, yeah. this fight's going to continue. And the crazy part, so that white racist um, state's attorney, he's going to look at my family and say, oh, well, this makes good for a civil case, but I'm not going to lock up none of the officers because they act within reason. I said, well, I told him I'll never forget. I looked at him and my aunt, who I called my ran out the room, and he had to, actually had the nerve to tell me, why aren't you leaving? You see, the rest of your family and the crazy part, my family had to wait 154 days, and we were subject with a big family like the West family that have been fighting every week nonstop. They never seen shutting down town hall meetings. They never seen that type of um, shrimp come from no family just every week. We out there protesting week after week. And yeah. We're we coming to the top of the hour right now, sister. We're going to take another quick break. How you feeling? I'm good. 
I know you you struggling. You you going through some things and you fight that little virus out there in Baltimore. And we're gonna take a quick break and then we're we're gonna go to the phone lines. We've got a few callers on the line, so we want to um Eric seven one six or seven zero six, we're gonna come to you after this quick break. Thank you. Welcome to the King Yah Podcast. As you may have guessed, I am your host, King Yah, a father, activist, and professional speaker. On this podcast, we discuss relationships, criminal justice, news and politics, black history, culture, and domestic violence awareness. If this is your first time being here, I want to say thank you and encourage you to keep listening. Each week, you can expect to hear thought-provoking interviews, as well as personal relationship tips that will help enhance your life. You will have access to resourceful downloads that you can implement daily to become more productive. Thank you for spending some time with me today. The purpose of this podcast is because everyday people inspire me through their stories of trial and error in life. Now let's jump into your favorite podcast. What better way to share our stories? Okay. All right. We are back. We are back. We're going to go to the phone lines again. We've got a few callers on the line. So uh, open up your phone line. Let me know if you got a question or a question or comment for our guest. Erico 706, your phone line is open. How are you? Tell us your name, where you're calling from. My name is Kwame, and I'm calling you from Edenton, Georgia. And to my sister, Tawana, uh, sorry for your loss. And, you know, your brother's spirit lives on. And the family in which he, he he came into that family is standing for him, even though his body is gone and his spirit is with you all. And yeah. being from Chicago, and I moved here to Georgia, but you know, as a young as a as a young child, I remember my family talking about Till, and when she would not let them close have a closed casket on him, they she wanted the world to see what they had done to her child. And so it's it's in that nature that gives you that fighting spirit that you want the world to know that this black this black life mattered and all of the black lives mattered because either if it was from the lynchings, it was from the the murders that they did in the South and the murders that they do today in the streets of these young black men, we still have to have a voice and the voice of a mother is strongest in the fight because she knows the 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 part in which grew in her womb and somebody to take that before she goes. Oh mm-hmm. damn, enough fight. <laughs> so I, I commend you, sister, and, and all the strength with you. Thank you so much. Brother Kwame, we appreciate your contributions, but you kinda of going in and out, so we wanna um definitely um you know receive what you have to say uh, in, in its totality. So we definitely appreciate you uh, for coming on to the show, and um, we'll definitely come back as well to get some more questions, if you have any additional questions or comments for the beloved sister. And uh, Mama AZ, I know that you were still on the line, so um, we'll be coming back to you in, in just a few moments as well. Uh, Mama AZ did provide that contact number, so I want to provide that contact number 
uh, Sister Tawanda. And uh, guys, for your tuning in, Sister Tawanda Jones from Baltimore. She's an activist, sister, mother, and uh, she lost her brother to uh, police brutality. Uh, what year was that, Sister Tawanda? I'm sorry, say that again, brother. What What year was that? Uh, 2013. Two thousand thirteen. Yes. Two thousand thirteen. That was two thousand thirteen when her brother was brutally murdered. Okay, so the number to that phone conference that Mama Az mentioned earlier, uh, she says um, the teleconference call is Thursday night at seven fifteen Eastern Standard Time. The topic is scarcity, and um. that website. That website is uberconference.com. So it looks like uberconference.com forward slash Beth, B-E-T-H, prayer. That call-in number is area code 716-748-0639, and then the PIN number to use is 06137. Again, that is for the... um, for the can, call line that Mama Amy mentioned earlier. Can you repeat the number again? I'll text it to you. I'll text it to you. Don't worry. That'd be great. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, I'll send that to you. I'm just giving it to the other callers that are on the mm-hmm. line because Mama Az mentioned it earlier. So I just want to, you know, give the uh, give our sure. listening audience an opportunity if that's, you know, what they're into and they're interested in calling in and checking out what the show is about. Um, for the rest of you guys, you're stuck with me. How about that? <laughs> No, let me stop. Um, so, again, Sister Tawanda is telling you guys about the story that's going on with uh, the story that she wants to share with you guys relating to um, the loss of her brother. Tawanda, let's go back. What mm-hmm. were you doing prior to any of this? Like, I, we understand that you were a teacher, your mother, um, and we know that the loss of your brother really sparked your activism. I mean, you've always been an activist. However, uh, with the the untimely death of your brother, that really fueled your activism. Mm-hmm. So, what were you doing before? Um, tell us a little bit about that lifestyle, and if you have a personal story you like to tell us, um, you know, here's an opportunity for that as well. Yeah. So, um, basically, before my brother was married, I'm not even gonna lie. I just felt like, I like. The way the system is set up and until something happens to your loved one or hits your door or you get the phone call you don't want, it's like you're oblivious to what's happening. You don't know. So I really felt like I was being, like I honestly felt like, and I keep on using the tale about Dorothy or whatever because and the only reason why I like the, um, the Wizard of Oz is because that reminds me of symbolic to the system. You have this voice that's making people think that they're powerless, that they can't fight, you know, that they, it, all the powers in these little red ruby, ruby slippers and things of this nature. But meanwhile, Dorothy had all the powers within herself. The lion was, like, real strong. The scarecrow was really strong type of thing. So I said all that to say, like, I felt like I was fooled because the way my mom and them 
raise me with, like, the morals and principles and, you know, you treat people the way you want to be treated type of thing. We knew that when the street light came on that we literally would um, have to come in. That was the time to come in. Wouldn't know, well, let me check in. With my, that was the time to come in. I would literally have to come on the porch and Tyrone could, like, chill and play on the front a little bit longer or whatever. But nevertheless, I just felt like I was fooled because I was believing in a system that, never was broke, that was designed to do what it's doing, that's just wiping us out. And until I got wiped out the way I did, it was like, a, it was mind-blowing to me. It was like unreal, and it's just sad. So I, to me, I was like, almost like the walking dead. Like I had, like, I was like happy, you know, because my family was here, and I never experienced nothing like this, and I was just teaching mom just happy and I had this real beautiful smile that now I can't even get that smile back even when I want to I have like a phony smile I would say because that smile that I had where I would show literally all my teeth or whatever and just like be like smiling real hard and heavy is no longer there like so when I smile you know and I I don't get me wrong I got a lot of blessings in my life don't get me wrong and I don't want to take any of them for granted God knows I don't but Literally, like I said, I was shy before my um, brother got killed. Like the advice I would tell my class when we would have graduation, I would tell them, find that spot on the back of the wall, and I would put like a picture on the wall where we have like all the parents come for the ceremony. I'm like, look at that. Don't look at the crowd because that's going to make you scared. I actually was giving them advice that I was using because I was scared to talk in front of people. I would choke up, get nervous, start to stutter a little bit. But now I talk to billions of people. I don't care. Like, it's just like this This has took something. It brought me some type of stuff that I didn't even know that I had. I didn't even know I had it. Sister Tawanda. Yes. I just want to say, like, I love you. Love you, too. I love you, sis. Like, and... You know, we're here for you. Like, to all our listeners that are on the call today, I just want to say thank you for tuning in to our show and supporting our beloved sister because she needs you. We need you. The world needs you. We are getting live reports from the... uh, uh, about the coronavirus. Uh, there's been some national alerts going on. Um, if you are in the St. Louis, Illinois area, uh, near the St. Louis metropolitan area, they are canceling and shutting down uh, quite a few businesses and entities. The Shea Fix Arena, Fox Theater, uh, canceled uh their upcoming event over the coronavirus. Um, so it's just pouring in. So if you guys get any information, please uh, share that information with us so that we can let the rest of the world know. And the key thing here is to stay and remain calm. Do not panic. Do not become hysterical. Do not become anxious because that fuels any illness or disease. Easier said than done. I know. It sounds so cliche-ish. But it's okay. Remain calm. Take care of your body. Take care of your health. 
you need some herbs, sassasparilla. Um, you need, uh, you have to fuel your body. You have to fuel your body. If you have to go to the store and you, you know, you consume meat, I don't. However, I'm not pushing veganism or vegetarian lifestyle on anyone on the show. I am just saying, if you have to consume meat, go to the stores and uh, get some dry foods and uh, canned foods. If you have to get canned foods, I'm against all the canned stuff and all that. But if you have to get canned foods uh, because it has all the preservatives and stuff in there, um, and it's it's a lot of it's not healthy or healthy for your body. So, but if you have to get canned foods, my suggestion would be getting um, tuna or sardines um, to sustain yourself. Uh, so stock up on tuna, sardines. Again, just an update from earlier: toilet paper, the water, toiletries, all that stuff is coming is almost to the point of depletion. So we are at a point now where all the stores, at least all the major stores, will be shutting down for at least 30 days. Um, your financial uh, institutions, your banks, they will be shutting down. Um, you will have limited access to your funds. Do not put all your money into the bank. Take some of that money out of your bank because you're going to need some of that money. Uh, again, this is not to create hysteria. This is just to inform you guys as to what is going on and what come. Um, schools are shutting down throughout the states, as Tawanda gave us a live report from Baltimore and Maryland that uh, they are experiencing what's called martial law. They have the National Guard there already, um, and if you are in a group of 200 or more. Well, you can't be in a group more than 200, so they have limited that. Uh, and then we know if they're limiting that to 200, like if you're a crowd of 200 people, then we know in the black community you can't be no more than five. So we saw Tawanda. We saw what happened down here in Ferguson. So if you are five, if you are five, if you got five is too many, and you had better not be caught in no vehicle with five people in the vehicle, and you black, no. They're not going for that. You will be pulled over real quick, fast, and then hurt. So, again, uh, we're talking about uh, the Tyrone West story. Uh, and you're hearing it directly from Tawanda Jones, who is Tyrone's Tyrone West's sister. Uh, we are just briefly giving you guys updates on the uh, COVID-19, uh, the COVID-19 virus. Um, the city of St. Louis has uh, shut down a lot of the uh, sports and parades. Uh, for instance, uh, yesterday and today, there was, uh, the cancellations included the sports games. So that would be um, the Cardinals games, the Blues games, and whatever other games we have in St. Louis and any parades uh, as a measure to contain the spread of the COVID-19 uh, or the COVID-19. Um, so the city officials are really ramping that up, and they're saying that, no, we're canceling all of that. So uh, that's what's going on. For more information on that, you can also check out um, your local news, whatever channel you deem necessary for you to uh, get your news or fake news uh, from. Uh, Riverfront Times is, uh, uh, you can go to riverfronttimes.com, riverfronttimes.com. Um, to find out uh, more information about 
about what's going on in the St. Louis area regarding some of those events that you guys may have already purchased tickets for. In fact, and I'll mention it because I actually am supposed to be going to the uh, Blues game uh, this weekend, Blues hockey. So uh, that may or may not happen. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, and I think, Tawanda, do you got any other updates in your area uh, about the uh, coronavirus ordeal? And if not, it's okay. We're going to go ahead and continue with the show. I just want to give them an, aud- yeah. an opportunity to kind of share and speak on on what's going on with the uh, with the coronavirus. Yeah, so basically now, like you said, people are, like, actually starting to really freak out and things like that. And now, like, the basic things are not available. Like, they're running out of cases of water now as we're speaking, bread, milk, et cetera. And then also, like, the hand sanitizers, the uh, um, Lysol products are also, like, you can't find these products hardly anywhere. Walmart, Target, like, hardly nowhere. Like, just for basic hand soap type of thing. Like, then I even was told, like, several stores have ran out of ginger ale soda. <laughs> like, it's definitely real. And we just had, and it's scariest part to me because this is the start of it. You get what I'm saying? Like, literally, we know that, um, excuse me, it's going to, take them at least six months, almost to a year, to try to get some type of vaccine for it. So meanwhile, we're at the tip point of it, and all this is going on now. So I feel like we're in a great depression right now. It's, like, really sad. And then I feel sorry, too, because I think about some of, like, the poor family, because they've been played the divide and conquer game, and we know that all this stuff exists, um, the red line in it, poor family, the poverty and all this stuff. But I just feel sorry for, like, and I'm glad that they did shut the schools down because I know kids transmit things, germs left and right, but I also feel sorry for some of the families that actually kids that are, like, looking forward to their breakfast there, their lunch, their snack type of thing. You get what I'm saying? I'm hoping that they have ways, and nobody have not mentioned that yet, uh, the ways for the poor families that need that food, that meal during the day type of thing, to actually get those meals to those kids type of thing. So that's my biggest fear. And then a lot of folks here in our city, my brother, don't even have health insurance because it's so real with um, the president doing all he can do and he's shutting down the um, welfare system, social service type of thing, like, men that used to come home from jail and, you know, get their little food stamps, little check or whatever, so they get on their feet, they're like, no, if you don't have any children, you can't get anything. And even the mothers that have children, they're starting new stuff that's forcing them off. And I remember and I had brought it up on a show I went on a couple months ago because I always keep my eyes on everything. And um, nevertheless, they had stopped. Like, remember, like, if your loved one was in need of, like, money, or whatever they would, the social service would at least provide two fifty to five hundred dollars to help your loved one, you know, for emergency funds for families that couldn't afford to, you know, to pay the funeral. They're not even giving that no more. They're saying that now, if you don't have a case, an active case, 
with social services, you can't get that 250 to 500, which is really nothing because we know that it takes to do a proper burial or whatever. However, we know that it takes more than 5000 be anywhere between 5000 and $10,000 it takes. But it's just what it says. So a lot of families now are forced to have their loved ones cremated. So I said all this to say, and I can tie it in with the coronavirus, if you got a lot of low-poverty families now in the city that don't even have healthcare, don't even have life insurance to actually bury themselves. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. this people can make it sick. You know, it's crazy. Like, you know, and how you they know, can be treated. You know, what's interesting about the coronavirus, and, uh, okay, so let, let, let's go to the U.K., right? Mm-hmm. In, if you go to the U.K., if you are a citizen of the U.K. or you're in the U.K., mm-hmm. all of their medical expenses are paid for. Like, it's free. Like, right. they don't care about any illness or any disease. They will, matter of fact, this is the good thing about the U.K. I've never been. Uh, I've got a best friend over there in the U.K., and mm-hmm. and I know about some of the stuff that's going on over there in the U.K. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You can make a phone call. The doctor comes to you right in your living room. Mm-hmm. The doctor will come to you. How, how great is that? Mm-hmm. The doctor will come to you and diagnose you, bring your medications to you, and all of that. However, if you have to go to the doctor, everything is paid for. It's not Mm -hmm. like over here in America where you got to pay a copay. You you have to have a copay. You have to have the insurance. If you don't have insurance, they don't want to treat you, or they give you the minimum. It's just crazy, right? So, again, um, just real brief, again, for those that are tuning into our show, we're talking to uh, Sister Tawanda Jones, who is an activist, and she lost her brother to uh, police brutality. Uh, his name is Tyrone West, and this happened in 2013, uh, and she has been fighting uh, for justice for her brother uh, ever since then. Um, right now, we are briefly giving you guys an, uh, uh, news as it's coming in to us about the coronavirus updates. And we understand that most of the people that have died so far from the coronavirus, they have had uh, poor health conditions, and uh, they were mostly elderly. Uh, So I just want to share something with you guys real quick about the whole corona. And since it is affecting mostly the elderly people, I think this will be pertinent to um, to share with, with your family members. Um, while the nation and world continue with the COVID-19, it is important to protect yourself and your family both physically and legally. Due to the, due to the COVID-19's effect on the elderly, it is essential that Americans have the following three forms completed in case of medical emergency. All right. Um, number one, you need to have a medical power of attorney. Select someone to make medical decisions on your behalf. This is for our elders. We need to be looking after our elders, taking care of our elders. Okay, so check on your elders, your mom, your dad, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, etc. Number two, you need a durable power of attorney. Durable, durable power of attorney. Select someone to make financial decisions on your behalf. And number three, a last will and testament. Decide who receives property and assets. And it's sad that, you know, you have those that practice insurance um, and attorneys, this is a time for them to make a lot of money, okay? 
because of the crisis, because of this epidemic, because of what's going on with this so-called coronavirus, which is, again, a flu, right? Uh, so, again, this is a way for, for them to capitalize um, off of your family's calamity, your family's turmoil during this coronavirus crisis. All right. Um, if you've got any information about or any information that you'd like to share with us regarding the coronavirus on the show, that's fine. Um, this show is not about the coronavirus. However, it is going on around us, and we need to be cognizant and informing each other as to what is actually transpiring. We're going to go to the phone lines in just a few moments. Um, again, you are listening to the King Yah online radio show. I'm your host, King Yah, and our honored special guest is Tawanda Jones, the sister of the brother Tyrone West that was brutally murdered in uh, Baltimore. We're going to the phone lines, and then we're going to come back. More from Sister Tawanda Jones. Thank you. Mama AZ, we are coming back to you, honey. Hey, Mama AZ. Yes, sir. I wanted to ask if if she, if, uh, if, if Sister mentioned it, I didn't hear her. What, uh, what race were the policemen in that department? Were they, were they all Caucasian or were there also that you are aware of, uh, uh, copper colored people involved in, in this too, because you know, the police stick together. Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that question. That's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, first two was an, um, I'm sorry, was a Caucasian man. Chapman was a Caucasian man. Ruiz is like, um, like he's mixed. But then we had like other white officers. We even had black sisters hitting and participating in the murder and we even had the black officer university that actually finished my brother off a 315 pound man the witnesses said my brother body looked like a fish that was took out of water he was gasified he had been pepper sprayed tased kicked stomped maze and he was in a hog tie position in a prone position face down with his hand um cuffs um, basically, when you um, meet your um, hands and your feet, they they um, put the um, chains and cuffs and you meet you in the back of your back. He was face down that way. And David Keller Lewis actually came and sat on him, like knee in his back, foot on his neck until he was no longer breathing, moving, or screaming. He was dead. Wow. Mm. Horrific. Graphic. Uh, those that are tuning in to our show, this is definitely an adult show. Uh, this is definitely a, a, a show that um, is very detailed. It's very graphic. And parental discretion is advised because this is a heinous crime that was committed against a family, an innocent, unarmed black man. This atrocity has gone unanswered. Since 2013, there's been no justice. No officers have been convicted for the brutal murder and this heinous crime. It's the assassination of this unarmed black man, Tyrone West, in the city of Baltimore, state of Maryland. Um, so that's what we're talking about tonight. 
uh, Tawanda Jones is telling you what happened with her brother, how she had to have his body exhumed. Um, they thought that foul play was involved. They had her brother exhumed, and their suspicions were right. In spite of that, no officer has been arrested. No one has been arrested after this brutal murder of Tyrone West. It's it's unfortunate. We know that it happens. It happened with, you know, we we love our, our, our families, um, Trayvon Morton family. We know that uh, his murderer was not a cop. However, other innocent, unarmed black men and women around the world Black and brown men and women around the world have been murdered by cops. And we also know that black, brown, white, and others have also been murdered at the hands of their own, their own kind. It happens all too often here in America. It's sad. It's unfortunate. And we hope we can only hope that this violence, that this senseless violence will end. And we want to say that we send our love and condolences to those victims, to those families that have lost their family members' lives to these crimes. Uh, my heart goes out to you. Uh, my heart goes out to you, Tawanda. As well. And to our listeners, again, we just want to say thank you. We appreciate you for your support and for being here for our beloved sister. We're going to go to the phone lines if anyone has any questions, any comments, or if you just want to say hi to our sister, you know, show our sister some love. We appreciate that as well. Uh, Our sister is definitely not alone. She is, um, like her brother, a victim of an unjust society, of an unjust system that has turned a deaf ear after committing a heinous crime against an innocent family. So with no further ado, we are going back to the phone lines. Um, Mama AZ, we appreciate you. Your phone line is open. I'm going to bring on another caller right now and uh, see if they have a question or a comment. Um, Area code... Let me see here. Okay. We got another caller on the line, also area code 336. Uh, Your phone line is open, area code 336. Please tell us your name, where you're calling from, and if you have a question or comment. Area code 336, your phone line is open. You have a question or comment. That may be me. No, there's another one. There's oh. another 336 on the line, 8210, last four digits, 8210. Okay. All right. Well, maybe they don't want to say anything. Your line's still open, Mama? Yes, sir. Mama, I want to know okay. who that yeah, is. No. no, that was another caller from Erico 336. Okay, we've got on Erico 706. I think that is our brother again. Kwame. Um I think that is. Uh, Erico706, what's your name? Question or comment? 
This is Brother Kwame. I, I called back in. Okay, I, hey, Brother Kwame. Thank you. Yes, Thank uh, you. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you. I appreciate. Uh, I appreciate. I appreciate love you both, and even Mama Bonfire AZ, because she's the one that that sent me to call in, and you know the sister was going to be on, and to give support. Yes. And I was yes. getting a report from a friend in Denver, and and there. They have drive-through corona tests now, but you have to have a doctor's note to be tested. They're having people to drive through hospital parking lots to to be tested now. This is good. It's it's getting a little out there. But I would I, I had a question with with Sister Tawana. Are you still on the line? Go ahead, brother. Yes, I'm still here, yeah. brother. Uh, and I know that you've been been fighting the system, and you've been, you know, dealing with the legalities of it. I'd like to to understand is, you know, with you doing this and having, like you said, you have pictures and all of those pictures in which you you took when you went to view the body. And the part of your brother's body being shipped out to be looked at and then shipped back. The part where I'm looking at it is is that it it's sounded like you were saying that they didn't take any pictures in the autopsies and the things in which they did, but you were diligent enough to make your own copies of what you saw on happen on your brother's body. And how has that been that their legal system is, are they acknowledging these, or how do they compare with what it is in their own evidence from the autopsies? And so basically what they did was, and you had the, you had the information absolutely correct, but um, basically what they did because at the time the incumbent um um, Greg Bernstein declined to press charges. He based the reason why he said he didn't press charges was because um, my brother, um, a body, you know, with the autopsy that he was given, that my brother only had an abrasion on his forehead, which we know was a complete lie. But then when I took, so with the new um, state's attorney, Marilyn Mosley, she said if I got any new information, because it didn't happen on her tenure, even though I know murder does not have a limitation, statute limitation, but nevertheless, she said if I got any new additional information that I could actually give it to her type of thing, and she would be more than glad to um, open up my brother's investigation. <clears throat> that was a lie because when I took up the new information, that she didn't have, which was the new autopsy report. And then also what they did was they lied, um, and it said that the media has powers to actually make innocent people look guilty and guilty people look innocent. So the narrative, they keep saying it was a struggle. First of all, the only struggle was my brother trying to struggle to fight for his life, meaning breathe, like not fighting, being combative towards officers. Everybody kept saying, he was like, you got me, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this to me? His hand. We had numerous uh, witnesses. But nevertheless, there, what they call accountability is uh, suitcase money, blood money. And the crazy part about that was I had to literally take my name off of a million-dollar settlement and I, that I was here to my brother's estate, had power of attorney, all this, 
I had to actually take my name off because you're not going to quiet me. So basically here in Baltimore City, it and um, the Supreme Court ruled it as hush money because what they do is if you get money from the state, which you, you're supposed to get because if they end my life and I'm taking care of my family, somebody needs to take care of my family. So the state is basically obligated to take care of my family because especially if I was murdered. But nevertheless, what they do in terms is, oh, well, we're going to give you this money, but you can't say anything. If you call out any of the officers' name involved, they will take that money back. So I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going to do this to me. So with that, I decline anything I even, and the crazy part is I was head of representative, head of the state and all that. I had to actually watch somebody in my uh, brother's attorney um, case basically get my money back that I put into my brother's body because the lady that took over um, the head of representative only for three days, she actually got paid $68,000 or whatever, which I put up that money myself, but somebody else, so she took my money. But like I said, it's not about the income, it's about the outcome. So what I did was took my tenacity and strength, and I'm like, no, we're going to change things. So literally this July, I'm this January the 1st, um, we got a bill passed that it took us two years fighting like hell to actually say that folks getting their lawsuit money, suitcase money, or whatever can actually talk about the case and can no longer be gathered. It's a bill, um, a, you know, a transparency bill that basically oversights and it's supposed to be transparent and people can talk about their cases without having their money. So that made me feel kind of good. So that so, but like I said, but. But as far as to answer your question, no, they did not give us any accountability, but they think in this case that in all our brothers and sisters' case, they figure, oh, we give them this money, they'd be okay. That's a, a form of retribution. They'll be okay. No, it's not because at the end of the day, it's not about the income. It's about the outcome and making sure another family go, never goes through what my family went through. I can never replace my um you know, brother and taking care of his children. I had to tell them that their father was murdered and they're raising grandkids and just struggling and and trying to make their dad proud and doing things that are making me proud. But it's sad that their father can't witness their greatness. It's just really disgusting. And I commend you for for this. No money nope. in the world could bring back your love. That's right. All the money in the world. Like I said, all the money. They could have offered me every dime in the That's world, right. and I would have still turned it completely down. That's right. Brother but, Bobby, you were saying you you yes, something. I just wanted to ask one more part to the question. Because they're offering the money and they wanted you to what they put the gag order with, you can't say anything about what we did. What was the, the verdict in which they were – Came to the settlement that they gave you because if they admitted that they were at fault, then you have a case for the officers that, that were right. And, and you and have a case because if they're offering you a payment, that means yeah. that that person did something that was against That's the true. law and they have to compensate for it. So why haven't they put? them into the judicial system and charging them for having to having to have to having the city to pay for what they did right so basically you're absolutely right because in a wrongful um death lawsuit 
basically you have to have the findings that the officers basically murdered your loved one and and all that came down. Like I said, I'm still holding on to everything and I'm just waiting for somebody and I know I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if it takes 10, 20 years from now. I don't care if it takes for me to be in my 80s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, to get real accountability for my brother, but it's going to happen. I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. So, you know, everybody, they keep playing the Doug and Pony show. They're not doing anything. And this, this we is certainly when, uh, appreciate uh, that I, tenacity. What's up? Right. What do you say, Brother Kwame? I, I was just commending right, gonna... her, and like you said, yes, sir. But I just had one more, one more part to it, and and the part of it is is that in them being overseers, because that's all they are, is the the, the new overseer for the urban plantation. And what they're, doing, what they're saying is is that they have the right to kill and take lives of black and brown people, and mm-hmm. they are not held accountable as was in slavery. Yep, absolutely. Yep. They went from hanging us on trees to either gunning us down and beating us down in the streets. And it's just really sad, but and until we all see that and we just keep on fighting and pushing, you know, it's not going to stop. And the thing what they do is they always try to talk about, oh, black-on-black black crime. Y'all need to stop killing each other. Oh, yeah, it's true. But at the end of the day, I never call it black-on-black black crime because keep this in mind, my brothers. Asians kill Asians. Caucasians kill Caucasians. They don't call that Caucasian or Caucasian crime. They do that to basically take away our rights. They don't look at us. They look at us as three-fourths of a man. They don't look at us as, they don't look at us as humans. But... We're going to just keep on fighting, and, and it's not going to stop. They may and have the guns, and we have the voices. We have the voices. That's right. We're very powerful. So, yeah. That's right. Unity, unity. Thank you, Brother Kwame, for your contribution. We appreciate you. We're going to go to the next caller. We have uh, additional callers on the line. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or you just want to say, you know, you want to offer your support to the sister. Um, I'm going to open up your phone line. Area code 708, your phone line is open. Please tell us your name, where you're calling from. Area code 708, your phone line is open. Tell us your name, where you're calling from. We appreciate you calling to the show today. Any questions or comments? Okay. Uh, Press number one, if you have a question or comment. Uh, Area code 703, I'm coming to you. This I know who this is. Hello, good evening. Welcome to the show. Any questions or comment? Area code seven zero three. Your phone line is open. Let me see if my mom is going to answer this night tonight. Mm-hmm. Mom, are you there? Uh, hello, okay. this is uh, Teresa from Virginia. I apologize, I called in late, but I just wanted to it's offer okay. my support. And um, Thank what you. I did here, you know. And just to tell you, Kenya, that this is a great platform, and to keep doing what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Sister Tawanda. That's Mama Teresa. Nice. That's my mom. Oh, yes. We appreciate you. We appreciate you calling in. Is Dad also on the line? No, he couldn't be with us tonight. Okay. All right. All right. 
Well, thank you so much for your contribution. We appreciate you and your support. Thank you. Um, your line is mm-hmm. open if you have anything else to say. So, guys, the lines are open. Just mute your phones on your end, and you can unmute if you have any questions or comments. We've got about 17 minutes remaining or so. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with more. Um, you'll hear more from uh, Sister Tawanda Jones. Thank you so much for your contributions. We appreciate you guys. Welcome to the King Yah Podcast. As you may have guessed, I am your host, King Yah, a father, activist, and professional speaker. On this podcast, we discuss relationships, criminal justice, news and politics, black history, culture, and domestic violence awareness. If this is your first time being here, I want to say thank you and encourage you to keep listening. Each week, you can expect to hear thought-provoking interviews, as well as personal and relationship tips that will help enhance your life. You will have access to resourceful downloads that you can implement daily to become more productive. Thank you for spending some time with me today. The purpose of this podcast is because everyday people inspire me through their stories of trial and error in life. Now let's jump into your favorite podcast. What better way to share our stories? And we are back. You're listening to Sister Tawanda Jones, who's an activist, who's a sister, a mother, and wife. Tawanda, right? Or not quite. Did you did you get married? No, I'm not married. I'm just engaged. Okay. I'm not married. Nope. <laughs> okay, okay. I know you guys have been together for a while, so I wasn't yeah. really quite sure. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, want to thank your significant other for his support of you and y'all family together. So I want to definitely thank him behind every strong woman. There should be a strong man behind every Mm -hmm. strong man. There should be a strong woman. So I want to say, I appreciate, yes, I appreciate you. I appreciate your significant other for the beautiful contributions and for the love and support that you guys have and exude. And I see it, you know, every time I see you, I see that love, right? I see that. And, um, you know, again, guys, just, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. Like we really do appreciate you. And it's because of you that we continue doing what we do. It's because of stories like this, that we create this platform for our guests, for our honored guests to come on and share their stories with the world, right? And uh, the only thing we ask of you, if you're tuning in to our shows, uh, if you're listening, if you're supporting, please continue to spread the word for um, for you know for the rest of our our guests. Continue to spread the word about our shows. Um, you can put it on social media. We certainly appreciate that. You can share it across the globe. You can share it with your friends, your families. But if you could do us one small favor to show us how much you really appreciate this show. If you could go to Apple iTunes and you could give us a five-star rating, we greatly appreciate that. So for all of our listeners, please write us some good reviews and let us know what you think of our shows. We certainly would appreciate that. And those that are generous enough, feel free to make a contribution to our shows as well. You can uh, you can donate to us. All that information is on our um on our homepage here at Blog Talk Radio, and, and um, you know we appreciate the contributions. If you like what you hear so far, and you'd like to hear more stories like this, then please go to our Cash App, 
you can cash app us as well. Uh, pursue your uh, dollar sign, pursue your dream. Dollar sign, pursue your dream. And Sister Tawanda Jones, if you'd like to make a contribution to her and her efforts and what she's doing, Sister Tawanda, please tell our guests where they can find you, how they can support you, and what you need from our listeners today. Oh, well, thank you, my brother. Um, they can find me via on Facebook. If they have Facebook, I am under Tawanda Jones. T-A-W-A-N-D-A, Jones. Also, they can reach me on my brother's page, and that's Justice for Tyrone West. They can send me a message. Also, my direct email address is Miss, M-I-S-S-T-A-W-A-N-D-A-1-7 at yahoo.com. They can send me an email. And most importantly, people that pray, I ask them to keep me constantly in their prayers, be vigilant, because we know what they do to freedom fighters. We know what has happened to our ancestors, freedom fighters that fought this fight, that literally died just so that we could be standing here. Like I think about Rosa Parks, who decided to take a seat so that we could stand up and fight. You know, Dr. King didn't have a dream for us to live out this nightmare. Malcolm X, like, the the list just literally goes on. So I just ask y'all to be vigilant, keep me in your prayers and thoughts, and God forbid if anything happens to me, shut it down. That's what I always say. That's why I disclose y'all through this message because it's ridiculous for them to actually have queens and kings actually taken out that are fighting peacefully, that's fighting through love. Like at the end of the day, the way my brother was killed, that was not an act of God. That was pretty hate and rage and anger. But to me, through love, you know, I don't hate anyone. I hate what happened to my brother. Yeah, makes me mad as I don't know what. But at the end of the day, love is what gets through, you know. So I just ask y'all to keep me in prayers. Pretty much it. May I be heard? Is my mic still open? Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. Let's bring the sister on first, Brother Kwame. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Mama. Thank you so much. Uh, Sister Jones, never fear. Never, never doubt. You're always, you will always be in our prayers and make sure that you tune in next Thursday. I'll put you on notice before that time. And okay. and also, I want to give thanks to your beautiful companion uh, for being there. You know, it, it's very, very important. So you give yourself a hug for me. Give your give your mm-hmm. your your uh, companion a hug from Mama Az because that means a lot. It, it his energy uh, exudes through you, and I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And and Brother Kenya, uh, uh, Kenya, your mom. You give her the greetings. Mom, if you're listening, uh, you know, I thank you for allowing your son to come through your gate so that he could do what he's doing right this moment. And I give thanks to you, my sister. And I I love Virginia. Um, I lived there for almost 40, 30-something years, North Carolina and Virginia. 
so it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Brother Kwame. Thank us. No, it was something she said at the last part and about dealing with love because you're in the DMV and Baltimore is in, in Maryland, and that's the DMV. And the thing about that, you have the DOJ there, and, and the actions in which those officers took and the city was paying for, you know, the wrongful death. The thing in which it looked at is it could be looked at, and, and we have to begin to look at charging them with hate crimes because yeah. that was pure hate, like you said. And it's a hate crime that they did in in doing that. So if the city is not going to do it, then the Justice Department has to do the rightful thing because it's by law. I don't know, you know, if it's it's still under the statute, but you can check into looking at that was a hate crime in which they brutally took that man's life. Mm -hmm. It really was. Right, and, and you have to make them accountable because, in essence, is is that that's what was in their heart and what they were doing is is that that was pure hate. I mean, accepting to that degree to take another human's life is is nothing but pure hate. Absolutely, and my brother, I hear everything you said. Like literally, I'm telling you. By the grace of God, my determination and strength has just been amazing to my own self. Like, literally, like all the avenues in which that I could actually do, I done done, and I'm still doing, like, literally, like, when I was state's attorney at the time, declined to press any charges, I'm like, oh, no. You know, I had that same mind frame. I didn't name it hate or anything like that, but I just said it, and I I actually got in contact, like something just told me at the time, to um, send the President Obama at the time an email, you know, and tell him everything that was happening. It was like a needle in a haystack, but God is good. He actually responded six months later to my email, got sent, like I sent the email, and he actually did his homework sent me a letter. I have a letter with his signature on it saying that he was going to put me into contact with the, um, you know, the DOJ and whatnot. And I was like so happy. I literally fell on my knees crying and praising. But unfortunately, when I took it to them, it's always, like I said, the Doug Burns, as soon as you get somebody that's actually going to look in it, they some kind of way find a way to get rid of them. Because I had this one sister that was like, oh, we almost there. And then literally, once I got to the turning point, like, I called her back because she was doing her investigation. I was sending her everything, those horrible pictures. I mean, everything. And literally, I called. They had a whole nother woman working there. They let her go. Instantly, like, we had a commissioner here, Daryl DeSuso, who I met with and um, told him everything that happened to my brother. And he was like, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, that's horrible. My my heart goes on. He actually showed up at a West Wednesday, and he was like, you know what, this is not going to be, um, you know, looking that lightly on my tender. And he said that um, he was going to actually do something in my brother's case as well as um, – the detective um, that got murdered here, and they try to say that this detective killed herself, Detective Suter. But nevertheless, as soon as I met with him, as soon as it looked like it was cracking, they wind up letting him go saying he fraud, and they locked him up about his taxes. Like, every time I get to that point, they snatch somebody away. But at the end of the day, we serve a good God. I'm going to continue on fighting because I'm living in truth. See, one thing about the truth, it never changed. So that's what I'm all about, love and truth and bringing it to power and light. So that's, I'm just going to keep on doing what i got to do. 
And on a on a on a separate note, sister, since you mentioned that, um, sister Tawanda, since you mentioned that uh, tax evasion piece, Trump signed a bill recently. I think it was January that alleviated anyone having to file a tax return. So no one could be forced to file a tax return. No one can go to jail for not filing their taxes anymore. Wow. It's Amendment 16. Amendment 16, they canceled that. They they said that it was unconstitutional, Mm -hmm. that it was unlawful, and who knows why that took place. Maybe Trump's going to be in office another year. Maybe he won't, but who knows? Whenever he leaves office, he's going to have a lot of money. So, I mean, you know. But, Brother King. Go ahead, Brother. The thing in which which he did was is because if you look in in the book under U.S. government, you will not find the IRS listed there. They are not a part of the government. They are a separate entity that's that's contracted with the government for doing collection of taxes. That's right, but they act as if they are the government. Right, and what they what they're doing is is that they're they're a uh, collection agency for the government for the banking cartel that is running the U.S. Treasury, because that happened back in 1913 with the Mohawk Conference when they bought the the, the Treasury Department, and that's when they switched from gold and silver to what we called in 1956. Or fifty-seven, when they put on the on the greenback, they put in God we trust, because that was the the source of of revenue from the gold, oil, and drugs. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. We appreciate. It. And you know, again, we know that you know the stuff that's going on in in government. Well, you know they they do what they have to do to protect them. It's not necessarily for the rights of all the people. Um, nevertheless, I just thought I'll share that information with you guys about Amendment 16. You can search that on your, you know, in your spare time. Um, they wrote that into law and said that uh, it's unconstitutional, it's illegal. So, what about all those brothers and sisters they locked up for ta- tax evasion? You know, they still got that on their record. I remember what what was that years ago? Wesley Snipes got locked up for tax evasion. So, All right. and you know, it's been going on for at, quite some time. Right. Say that one more time. Look at marijuana legalization. Look at all the people that's locked in the, in the prison system now for possession of marijuana or distribution of oh, marijuana. Yeah. And, now and they're going to continue to be locked legal. up because it's – right, because it's, it's, it's legal on a state level, but it's still illegal on a federal level. It's still illegal. Right. So the feds can kick in your door anytime, number one, you're giving them easy access to you. They know who you are. You're ordering this stuff online. And the stuff that they are selling to you is genetically modified anyway. And it's causing you to have a, a leaky gas, a, a leaky gut, I'm sorry, leaky gut, and all types of other unhealthy illness that's associated with it. And it will wipe you out, and it's weakening your immune system, period. So, again, you know, if that's what you're into, you might as well just continue to go into whoever your your provider was to begin with. At least you know what you're getting or grow your own stuff, whatever that is, you know. But, uh, yeah, you just you got to be aware of what's going on. You definitely have to be aware right. of what's going on. 
You know, the government right. tells you, right. okay, it's okay to buy weed. We're going to sell it to you. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't trust that. I don't smoke weed anyway. But I'm just saying, I wouldn't trust that. Not at all. But what they but don't realize again is that it's illegal. It's illegal federally. It's illegal. Right, and that that that's in part. But we don't want to steer away from Sister Tawana, and. Just looking at all the doors that she has been to and knocked and and opened and was not able to get in to get the justice that she wants for her brother, but it's coming because love conquers all. Alana has done a phenomenal job with what she's doing with her fight. And like I said, I I, I met her personally when she came down to uh, Ferguson, Missouri, doing that Michael Brown, uh, the assassination of Michael Brown, Jr., and so she has definitely been on the battlefield, you know, fighting and fighting for everyone. I mean, she has been she has been doing her thing. So uh, she is working uh, with Baltimore city and state of uh, Baltimore, Maryland, to change laws uh, that will uh, benefit the citizens of Baltimore. Uh, Tawanda, tell us again some of the things that you guys got going on in Baltimore uh, in the legislative department. I know that you are working with a lot of different entities. So please share some of that with us. Yeah, so again, I'm working with the ACLU as well as different coalition groups such as um, Not Without Black Women, Runner for Runner for Justice, Youth for Justice, and um, the West Coalition, which is um, my um, self and whatnot, my group. But we're working, and we got that bill passed, and we're just working on different legislations. Like I just um, actually sent some folks down to Annapolis because they tried to sneak another bill in to give um, our black university more um, police powers. And like I told you, one of the officers that played a crucial role in my brother's execution was from Morgan, and that's the same entity that they're trying to give them more police powers that they don't need. You know, so we're trying to stop that. So we're always, like, testifying, um, going to Annapolis, like, just doing everything, town hall meetings. I'm actually trying to push. I'm working with a brother now that I call my mayor. His name is Brother Ricky Vaughn, and I think he's the best candidate that's running for mayor, actually, that's going to bring real change. But, you know, we'll just see what happens. But doing stuff like that, I'm always there, always, and I'm going to continue on being there. And definitely please keep us posted on everything that you got going on, Sister. If there's anything that you'd like to share with us at any time, you know, my house is your house, me casa su casa. Um, so whatever I could do for you, you know, uh, I'll, I'll definitely do that to provide that that atmosphere for you. And then uh, any knowledge that you bring is definitely beneficial to our listeners. And so, you know, we appreciate you for all that you do and all that you have done and what you continue to do. Uh, so we want to thank everyone for tuning in to our show today. Sister Tawanda Jones, do you have any words for our listeners before we get out of here? Uh, any messages that you have for our, for our, uh, for our yeah. listeners or our youth? Yeah, so basically, first I want to give homage to you, my brother. I know that you go through your struggles, but you always stand. And I just, like, 
I were attached to you when I literally met you before I got to Ferguson, but when I got in Ferguson and see you do a phenomenal job and the way you present yourself and I just wanted to give you kudos, props and just let you know the same um way that you love me and that you open up your venue to me, West Wednesday and all the folks I'm connected with are connected with you in any way we can help you as well. We all we got at the end of the day, like my brother Boom always say, We all we got, we all we need and we just gotta continually working together. One fight, one cause, one purpose, because that's how they get us mixed up when they try to do these little illusions like homelessness is over here, poverty, um, police brutality, community violence. It's all the same to me. It's almost as if we going down different streets to end up on the same exact highway to hell, highway to hell. We're going to all end up on that same highway, but we Pull together, fight, we can change that highway and make it into our way, you know, and that's, that's just right. justice, unity. That's right, justice. Yeah, so. That's right, because what affects one affects all. Everybody. What affects one directly affects all indirectly. What affects all mm-hmm. indirectly affects all directly. So. Absolutely. So we are all part and parcel of this whole. So, uh, everyone, we want to thank you for tuning in to our show, and... Uh, We'll be ending our show after this. Thank you. If I can reach one person through an inspiring message, I'll say if you want success, pursue your dreams without permission. If they say you can't, you can. You captain your ship, your faith. If they say you won't, you will. You master your spirit, your life's purpose. If they say you are not, I am. You are the boss and master of your goals, your destiny. Follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, KingYah2020. My podcasts are also available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, TuneIn, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just look for King Yah. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or constructive criticism regarding our podcast, please email your concerns to us. Thank you.